Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. Man, thanks guys. Who was in, who was in youth group with me? Cool. Wow. A lot of fruit, huh? No, I'm just kidding. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. You guys good? Cool. Awesome. How's the harbor been going, guys? You guys excited about what God's doing at the harbor? I'm excited what God's doing at the harbor. Um, uh, you with the radical bucket hat, you have your knee up right now. I thought you were holding a baby, and that was the baby's head. It's not a baby, everybody. It's just, just your knee. So if this is your first time, I hope you come back. Sorry, sorry to put you in this situation. <laughs> It's good. It's good. Cool, cool. Guys, I'm excited for this word tonight. Uh, What's the series we're in right now? Talk about prayer. You guys believe in it? So do I. So we're going to teach on it tonight. Yeah, so I was reading Brian's notes over his last few teachings. Very cool. And uh, this is a quick recap. Uh, The the heart of the Lord's Prayer and and, uh, what we're doing in this series is we want consistency and quality in your prayer life. And Jesus, you know, he said, this is how you ought to pray. He gave not a formula, but a model. And so I think that it's super easy for us to do with this, what Jesus did not want us to do, is we can honor, honor him with our lips in this prayer, but our hearts still be far from him. So we could look at this script that Jesus did give us and think like, okay, like, is this a formula or is this just a model I go by? But I've heard it been compared to like jazz music. And I don't, does anyone like jazz? Okay, who doesn't like jazz with me? I like it more than country, you know what I mean, right? Uh, there, there we go again, right? It's good. See, but here's the deal with jazz. You have to be wicked smart and, and uh, very talented to appreciate jazz, I believe, or play jazz for that matter. And there, there is a melody, there is rhythm, there, there is courses, there are verses, right? And even though there is a song that we're all playing along to, there's room to be led to go off course there. And it's the same way with the Lord's Prayer. And hopefully that's in fact happening as you get to a section of the Lord's Prayer and spirit takes you somewhere you weren't expecting to go. He reveals parts to your heart that you actually need to hand over to God and you got some things to talk about. This is very true. Me and Brian, we actually have been practicing the Lord's Prayer. So, hey, I'm glad we're teaching on it, dude. Right? It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, this has been a beautiful model for us for years now and it really has just been a blessing. So Brian, let's look at this on the screen. He talked about God's honor in the first part of the prayer. Hallowed be your name, right? And then we're looking about God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then finally tonight, we're talking about God giving us our daily bread and forgiving us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We're looking at tonight, God's provision in God's forgiveness. So targets one and two, they are radical. With hallowed be your name, we're looking at the reverence for God we ought to have and the honor we should have for him. When we're looking at the kingdom, we're praying, God, we want your rule and reign to become a reality, yes, in this world that we're living in, but God, that starts with me. You have to rule over me first. You have to reign over me, Father God, all right? And I get the topic of bread, right? So here in, 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 in our 2022 American culture, we don't understand the depths of this part of the prayer. So I'm going to be talking about, yes, God's provision. That's where we're going with the daily bread portion of the, the, the evening. But we're also talking about God's forgiveness. Man, this, this first part is beautiful. It's rich. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm having great expectations for what God is going to teach us in this passage tonight. So let's begin. We're looking at God's provision and why bread. Why does Jesus say, God, give us today our daily bread? See, God, as your father, yes, he cares about the majestic in your life. 
He, tell, he cares about epic moments in your life, but he also cares about the mundane moments of your life too. Now, uh, I was telling my students last night that my son, unfortunately, is two and a half. He's my world. His name is Spencer, and he is currently sick. He has an ear infection. So he's running fevers. He's snotty. And uh, it was, uh, I think it was Monday that uh, he woke up from his nap, and he's like, Dada, I've had... And I ne- we don't, we're, we're like kind of like those classic parents trying to like reduce screen time or whatever. But I was like, buddy, you're sick. We're watching Cocomelon on the iPad, you know? So we got it, right? And then he got the iPad. He's like, Dada, ice cream? And I'm like, looks like we're getting ice cream, right? So I loaded him in the car and I strapped him in, gave him the iPad. And so he, he's, he's watching Cocomelon and uh, I, I can listen to music. I can listen to a podcast myself, whatever, right? And, and that's what we started doing. He was doing his thing, right? And I was doing mine. But this is, this is un, unsafe, right? I actually, because I love my son so much, uh, I actually don't use my rear view mirror to like look at the traffic behind me. I have it just pointed so I can see Spencer's face the whole time, right? So uh, someone's coming up on me. I'll never know, right? So I'm just chilling in a sense. And he's just like looking like the cutest dude ever in the back seat, but he's doing his thing and I'm doing mine. And I'm like, look, even though this is a mundane moment, the epic moment's coming. We're about to get some Chick-fil-A ice cream together. You know what I'm saying, right? But like the, the drive there is like, Man, I want to spend time with my son. I want to talk with him. So we started talking. And I would say something to him, and he can't talk yet, so he didn't have much to say back. You know what I'm saying? But even with that, right, it's like even though he can't talk yet, he's just going to say gibberish to me, which is awesome, right? Man, God, he wants the mundane with you as well. At what point in our life with Christ are we really going to start viewing ourselves as his children and that he's our father and he loves us perfectly? See, God, he's going to be with us in the majestic, with you at your graduation. That's exciting, right? With your, with your dream job interview, right? When we're talking about Jesus in the markets, marketplace, you guys being equipped to evangelize, Man, man when, when we're sharing our faith and our hope with, about Jesus in the community or with a coworker or whatever, man, he's there. I think that's a majestic moment when we're helping people in need. But here's the thing. Give us today our daily bread. I, just, I just want to break bread with you. I just want to spend time with you. It might not seem like a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to me because I love you. Man, I, there's, it says in the scriptures when we're learning about the love of God and how much he wants to be with us, even in moments that don't seem to matter very much, uh, the psalmist will say, such knowledge is all too wonderful for me. And I think we can relate to that. It literally is too wonderful for us to the point where we're not even grasping it or receiving it from God. We've had hurtful father relationships, like from our literal fathers or from, from our moms or whoever our guardian was. And even if they were like pretty good parents, they're not perfect. And I think we can lay that upon the father and not understand that he loves us perfectly just as we are. And he wants to spend time with us. See, breaking bread is a big deal. Right? A common rhetoric that uh, was said about Jesus is that he eats with tax collectors and prostitutes. Right? He, not only does he spend time with them, but he breaks bread with them also. They did not like that. You could say Jesus was the first breaking bad. Right? That's good. It's so good, right? That's good. That's good. If you don't know what it is, you're a better Christian than the rest of us. That's good. Cool. I've never seen it. Real talk, real talk. Okay. But here's the deal, right? Man, the Pharisees, they were offended. They're like, he is breaking bread with them, right? Why is this offensive? Because in this culture, when Jesus is saying to them, pray to God, say, give us his bread, light bulbs are going off. They're like, wait a minute. Jesus wants this union with me? 
mean, really what it meant to break bread was the deepest kind of intimacy you could have experienced in that culture, in this loving relationship. See, intimacy, that is the blueprint. I believe, man, this, the harbor is rad. I believe you guys are desiring to live a life of impact, right? We, we want to influence the people around us, and that's radical. And so I think that we look up all these leadership uh, uh, models or, or people who are killing it in life, right? Doing a good job, having that influence, having that impact. And we're trying to find a formula, but the formula will never change in that the way that you and I are going to have an impact in the world, it's always going to start with intimacy with God. It's simply that. You see, let me talk about Abraham for a second. Abraham, he's yes, one of the fathers of our faith, faith, but he also had an intimacy with God that led to him knowing the character of God. You can look at this with me on the screen. See, God was told, God, God, God told Abraham, said, go and sacrifice your one and only son, Isaac. And Abraham, trusting God, he had intimacy with God, right? It's as if they were breaking bread, even in mundane moments together. So he knew God. He's like, God told me to do this thing that, that, that is, is practically impossible for me to do, but I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to step out in obedience and do it, even though I'm confused, because I know the character of God, and I know that he will provide I know that even if it ends in the death of my son Isaac, he'll be able to raise him up again because my God is good. And then when God did come through on the character that Abraham thought that God had, when he provided, he named that place Jehovah-Jireh. That means that God will provide. And then we learn again in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, when Hagar was stranded, when she was without water, when she's dying of thirst, God provided water for her. She said the same words. She said, Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide. But except when Hagar actually said it, it really had a deeper even meaning than that in that God, he sees me and he perceives what I need. He doesn't just give me something, but he knows me in such an intimate way. He knows exactly what I need. See, with Abraham, right? It wasn't just God, God gives me stuff. Right? But he knows this need of mine, and he's going to make provision for it. Right? I was talking about my son's unfortunately sick right now. Right? See, my son, he had a one-on-one fever. Okay? He needed Motrin from his dad, purple grape-flavored Motrin for the babies. Right? And, uh, man, it, it wasn't something that I just simply, like, just checked off a list that I had to do. I saw that my son was in need, and me being his loving father, I'm going to comfort him right? I'm going to love him. I'm going to help him. Man, I I know exactly what he needs, and I'm going to be the one that gives it to him because I am his provider. God is your provider as well. He doesn't want to just hand you bread and say, go on, keep it it moving because I need to help someone else now. No, because God, he's omnipresent. He has the ability to exist out of time and love you as if you're the only person in this world. And he wants intimacy with you even in the mundane moments. You're not a checkbox that he has to check off, right? No, he wants to break bread with you. He wants you. So the second thing we understand is why bread? It's because he is the provider. He gives us what we need. The hearers of this prayer, this prayer model, the disciples, they would have known this story from Exodus and Deuteronomy very well when the Israelites were being led through the, uh, through the desert. Let's read on the screen. It's a lot of text, so bear with me here. It says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, 
whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering. Also, like when we see a kickback to the Lord's prayer just there, revering or hallowed be your name, reverence for him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Let's jump down a little bit. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you to this day. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness. Let's jump down again. To humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength and my hands have produced this wealth for me. See, when the Israelites, when they were going through the desert, it was very clear who the provider was. Without God raining the bread down from heaven, there would be no provision. There would be no uh, nutrition. It was very clear that it was God. And for you and I today, when we say, God, give me today this daily bread, we're saying, God, you're my provider. I'm alive only because you've allowed it. And as long as I'm here, I'm gonna live out the mission that you have for me. That's why we have to have quality in our prayer life and consistency because we can quickly fade away and forget this truth. See, we can't claim anything of ours, even our own name, that it came from apart from God. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, I'll just have to read it to you. It says, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have from God, why boast as though it were not? A gift, everything we have. We can't claim anything as that I can take credit for. Anything that's been provided, God is the provider. Every good thing comes from him. And it's beautiful to declare that with God and to God in prayer. God here in this text we just read, God's ultimately saying, look, time in the desert, it was hard. Yes, it was a wasteland. But I'm gonna allow you to go through this desert. I'm going to allow this for you. And one day you will be in a promised land where there is more than enough, where there will be an abundance. But God, give me just today this daily bread. Don't give me too much, God, where I'll be drowned and suffocated by the things of this world. Well, I'll miss out on the kingdom of heaven, Father God. So God, simply nourish me for what I need so I can maintain my focus on you because this world is our desert. We're just passing through it. A promised land is coming that's in heaven with Jesus Christ and one day in the new heavens and the new earth. Right, Brian talked about the kingdom. That's a kickback to the kingdom a little bit there. That's what the Israelites were going through in the desert. See, it's not about living the most Instagrammable life we can. You know, um, uh, I, I love going on vacation. I really, really do. But I also hate going on vacation. Because in some ways, man, vacation's like this little slice of heaven. It's kind of maybe a shadow of what the kingdom is like, but it's hard to leave because I have to come back to, like, I was in a, a, a desert in a way, but I got to come back to the real desert of just like work and the grind of life, right? Because you know what? Vacation, and even mission trips are like that too, right? If you've been on a mission trip, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like this little slice of heaven. You're with the brothers and sisters in Christ. You're day and night doing the work of the kingdom. It's a beautiful thing, but you know what? It's really just a shadow of what is to come. God, give me what I need. You're my provider, but just give me enough to where I'm not going to drown in the things of this world. See, Brian, he talked about the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. 
there's a great feast that's coming, but that's not yet. So in the meantime, God, provide me what I need because I know a great feast is coming. And why? Why, why? why can't I ask for more? I want more, right? My wife, my poor wife, she's been living with carpet uh, in our home for many, many years. It's time, for, it's time for that wood flooring we've always wanted, right? You know what I mean? But you know what? Like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's not in the cards right now. I could put my hope in that, right? I'm rocking a, a laptop, a MacBook at home from 2009, right? It's time. It's time. But you know what? It still goes. It works, right? I want the new stuff. You know what I'm saying? But, but in, in those things, I'm, I'm not saying those things are bad at all. But you know, it, it, it gets weird when those be, things begin to blind us from the mission that is in front of us. The party's not started yet. We can't party while there's still time left on the clock, right? The Israelites, if God man, gave them more than what uh, they needed from heaven and bread, Right? They could have started getting too comfortable in the desert when God had a promised land for them. I remember of a time of celebrating too soon. It was 2009, and uh, I'm a big, if you know me at all, you know I'm a big Orlando Magic fan. And uh, we're literally the, the single worst team in the league right now. So life's hard being a Magic fan. And uh, in 2009, we're actually good. Right? We actually went to the championship that year. And uh, I was in college, and I was a fan way before that, so I'm thrilled, I'm stoked. And... Um, uh, there was 15 seconds left on the clock. Uh, the game is tied 95 to 95. And Richard Lewis, he passes the ball into this gentleman by the name of Hito Turgaloo, right? And Turk, 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 he was sick. He was just great uh, at the three ball, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Any, any old Magic fans in here? Anyone know that team? Okay, there's, there's a few of us remaining, right? You guys were on the bandwagon with me for a minute. It's good. Cool, right? So, and, and then, like, like Richard, he just gave the ball to Hito. He drained it, right? Man, Magic are up by two. And there's one second remaining. Right, so I'm at my friend's house. We're in college. We're all get, like these, these playoffs games were huge. We would all get together, right? Florida teams are usually never good, so we're just celebrating this moment we're having. And I was the biggest Magic fan ever. And I remember when he made that shot, it was up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I hated LeBron James, still do, right? You know? And I remember I just hated the Cavs so bad that year, I tore my shirt straight in two, right? I just ripped it right down the middle, right? And I was like, my, my friend's parents were there, and I was like swinging around. I'm like, and then, I'm so stoked, I chucked the shirt, opened up their deck doors, right, and just did a cannonball in their pool, right? And so, it's like on commercial break, I'm just like doing laps in the pool, like, man, like, magic, we're going to the championship, you know, this is great. And then they're like, Jackson, come in, come in, there's one second left on the clock. And the parents aren't letting me back in the house because I'm soaking wet, so I'm having to watch, like, through the kitchen window outside. <laughs> they throw the ball to LeBron James with a second left. He, like, turns around, drills the three, game's over, we lost, Right? So you're like, what's that have to do with God being our provider, right? Man, we're not called to celebrate when there's still time left on the clock, right? The Israelites, they weren't called to celebrate in the desert. You and I, this world is not our home. I mean, we're going to have beautiful moments. We're going to see shadows of heaven. Man, we're talking about bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth now today when we let God rule and reign in our lives. But it's not home. We got work to do. And we are calling you here to equip you, to help you keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus so that you don't get too comfortable here. Man, it's not time. God is our provider. We need to let him just give us what we need for today, knowing that, God, I'm depending on you. Because if you stop depending on God daily, you're going to forget God entirely. And we need to say regularly with quality and consistency, God, give me my daily bread. 
right? Don't give me so much that I'm going to forget that there's still work to do while I'm here. This next verse in Deuteronomy, it says, but I assure you this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. See, if we get too much out of this world, if we're finding our hope and our pleasure in it, Right, man, man, sometimes rock bottom is a blessing. Sometimes discovering that this world constantly will leave us empty is a blessing. But sometimes we keep on chasing, we keep on pursuing, even though we know the truth is that it will never actually satisfy. If we don't get that right with God, instead of loving God and loving people the way he's called us to do, if we don't get that relationship right, we're going to end up worshiping other things and forgetting God and using people. So, man, God, just give me what, what I need for today. God, you're my provider, and I'm not going to forget that. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's talk about God's forgiveness. It says in Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, right? So, so daily, in verse 12, Jesus is saying, man, you got to pray to ask God forgiveness every day, and you got to pray and ask God to search your heart, saying, who do I need to also forgive Father God in my own life? See, this teaching tonight it's called the declaration of dependence, right? When we pray, that's us saying, God, I don't want to be separate from you. God, apart from you, I can do nothing. God, I need you. When we're praying, God, forgive me, that's us continuing to be poor in spirit the way that Jesus said in Matthew 5 that we ought to be, meaning when we're poor in spirit saying, I recognize that I need you, God, that keeps us blessed, that keeps us depending on God, knowing that he's the provider of grace, that he's the provider of my hope, that he's the one I'm living for, right? So we see there, God, I need you today. But then you might think for a second, Jesus, you said daily ask for forgiveness? Because Jesus on the cross, you said, with my sins, it's finished. So what's going on there? Is it finished or not? Because you're saying I need to do this on a daily basis. In fact, it says in Colossians, you can see with me on the screen, chapter 2, it says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. What does that mean? That means redemption is finished. Redemption's finished. It's complete. So Jesus, why are you telling me to do this on a daily basis? Well, then again, in 1 John, he explains, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See, because of Jesus, when we make this prayer, we're not going to God in shame. When we're saying, God, I need your forgiveness. Man, please, please, please don't do that in shame. We're coming to our dad saying, Father, I need you. God, for a moment, I made a decision today that wasn't in line with who I am. God, I started going back the old way, but Father, that's just not me anymore. And God, I want to repent. I want to turn. I want to get back on track with you again. And God will give you grace because he's your dad. And we have to do this daily, right? We don't want to get things when we're sinning right? As Christ followers, we are by our own intention turning away from God. And the longer we go without repentance, the farther that we're choosing to walk away from him. He's waiting for you to make that 180 back to him. And he says, I want you to do this on a daily basis so you don't get too far away from 
me. See, the sooner that we repent, the sooner that we redirect ourselves, the sooner we are back in line with who we are and on the mission that God has for us. You see, you can see with me on the screen is that confession is a beautiful thing because it brings us to Christ. You see, 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 asking God forgiveness, that's another way of Jesus saying, I want intimacy with you. Even when you've sinned, even when you've fallen short, don't flee from me, come to me. I'm your dad and I'm the only one that's gonna make this right. It says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in our time of need. Confession is a beautiful thing. Right, we're talking, I said this was called the declaration of our dependence. See, in parts one and two of this prayer model that Jesus is showing us, we're talking about, yes, the kingdom, and yes, honor. And now we're talking about forgiveness of God and his provision. We went from honor in the kingdom, and now we're talking about dependence, saying, God, I need you. I was talking about you, God, and your glory, but now I'm talking about how much I need you, Father God, because apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. When we're praying the Lord's Prayer, we're saying, God, I need you. We need grace at salvation, and we need grace for sanctification. I got good news tonight. God will never break up with you for being too needy. We need him. That's what the Lord's Prayer is, is all about, saying, God, I need you. I needed you to yes, yesterday, and I need you today. I needed you to save me, and I need you to make me more like you. Because God, I know I'm alive, but my flesh, it's still alive, and it's still at work. And at times, I do what it wants and not what you want, Father God. But God, I know who I am. I know I'm a child of God, so I'm going to get back on track with that. And then there's the next part, right? Us receiving the grace of God is epic. But then we get into the tough part of this prayer, and that he tells us that God, help me forgive those who have sinned against me. Help me forgive my, my debtors. Help me forgive those who uh, have trespassed against me, Father God. See, just as we need Christ's forgiveness every day, and we do receive it, we must also be like Christ, and we must also forgive like Christ. See, when we don't repent, when we stop going to God, when we stop depending on him, when we stop being poor in spirit, I mean, we are getting independent of God and we're gonna lose our freedom. We're gonna end our freedom and we're gonna stop our mission. So that's why we pray, God, God, I, I need your forgiveness because I know there's ways that I could be getting off course. So redirect me, Father God. But equally so, when we're holding on to baggage, when we're holding on to the sins that have been committed against us, it is gonna have an equal suffering and devastation. It says in Luke chapter seven, verses 47 through 48, it reads, for this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, they've been forgiven, for she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. You see, right here in this passage, Jesus is calling you to extend grace. He's calling for you to extend forgiveness to the people who have hurt you. But before you can be an extender of grace, you first have to be a recipient of grace. You see, God, he tells us in his word to love your neighbor as ourself. And that's easy when your neighbor is cool to you or is easy to get along with when they make a mistake. Those are easy people to forgive. Our friends are hopefully easy for, to forgive, right? But Jesus says, I want you to love and even forgive your enemy. 
See, I mean, what are we talking about here? How does this get personal to us? What about forgiving our parents for their divorce that they got, right? What about my boyfriend or my girlfriend cheating on me, forgiving for that? What about for not being sorry when someone came and they said something wrong to you and, and, and they made you look bad and that really made you insecure? How do we forgive that person for making you look like the bad guy, for committing true evil against you? And we might get to this part and we might think about actually forgiving other people. And you might be like saying to God or somebody else, right? You might be holding on to things in your heart saying, do you know what they said to me? Do you know what they did to me? And, and you're saying just forgive it? Like it doesn't even matter? Like it, like it didn't even happen or that it was okay? It's not what Jesus is saying. Man, other translations with, with, with sin that have been committed against you it's saying that you've been trespassed against, right? It's saying forgive them their trespasses means that someone went and did something to you. They went to a place they should not have. Jesus isn't saying that they didn't do anything wrong. They trespassed against you. There was a sin against God first, but also you. It's saying in other translations, God, God help me forgive their debts. They're indebted to you. They took something from you that they should not have. When we're saying God, let me forgive them. We're not minimizing it. We're simply going to the feet of Jesus Christ, looking at what they did in view of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it really changes the way that we can extend forgiveness to other people. It looks really big by itself. But when you're first looking at the cross of Jesus Christ, looking at how he forgave you, the extension of grace that you can show other people has become great. It says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Are we going to do another song? Okay, let's, let's come on up here. Sorry. Cool, thank you. Can we clap for the band as they're coming up? And you guys, in, in this last portion, we only got like a minute left, okay? Can you just prepare your hearts for worship and just, just, just give to God what you need in this time, Okay. And I'll read that again in Ephesians. It says, be kind to one another and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ, he's also forgiven you. You and I, you forgive because he forgives. John Piper says, in other words, God's forgiveness is underneath ours and it creates and it supports it. See, there's no way. I mean, God is saying, I need you to extend grace to people. I need you to extend forgiveness to people, right? There is no way that you can extend that, 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 that love to other people who have wronged you if you're still holding on to your own sins, to your, to your own wrongs that you've committed against God. You're carrying them. They're burdens that are burdened upon you. So we must pray. Jesus is telling us to pray in a certain order. He says, Father, forgive me. Forgive me my trespasses. That's us taking all of our burdens and handing them to God. Because now, once we've done that, we can hand grace to other people. See, once we've done that, we feel loved by God and right with him because we are. And we're certain of our good standing with God. You are royalty. You are a royal priesthood because of what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. Maintain that. Just know simply who you are. When you do that, your head is clear and your heart is full. You see, Satan, he doesn't want you to pray. He wants you to feel ashamed of the wrongs you've done. And he wants you to remain hurt by the people who have hurt you. If you're not praying, your head will not be clear and your heart not, will, will not be full. 
right? This is why we pray so that we can remain in our calling, remain in our freedom. It's a declaration of our dependence. Let me pray. Please bow your heads and please stand for worship. Everyone, please just extend their hands to heaven with me for a second. God, here we are tonight saying, God, give us today our daily bread. God, God, I need you. God, you are my provider. You are my provider. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.